as creatures is in the body, the warmth of flesh. And that is what we count on, what keeps us and cheers us up. This is the very reason that thing is impermanent and that is taken away. I say to God, this is unnecessarily cruel. A writer wrote these words after a dear friend of hers died. On Holy Saturday, we all come face to face with the anguish and cruelty of those times in our own lives when death robs us of the warmth and flesh of the person that we have known and loved and when, like the disciples of Jesus, we need to hastily make preparations for what will happen to that body of the one that we cherish so much. The author of the Gospel of John says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. And because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. You know, when I was in Sydney for the very first time, I took the chance to visit Sydney Jewish Museum. The museum was set up by the generation of Holocaust survivors who came to Australia so that it could memorialize those whose lives were taken away during the Holocaust. So the Nazi regime took away a total of 1.5 million children. That is like if this hall is being filled, 800 of these halls filled with children. There was a small room in the museum called the Children's Memorial and on the wall hangs coloured glass frames containing names and photos of more than 400 children given to the museum by their families and friends. Empty frames were to honour children whose names and faces are lost to memory. And there was an encased glass inside a mountain of children's shoes and it, there's a small title that says, All That Remained, was created by a survivor. It says, as a loving tribute to the Jewish children whose lives were cut short with no mark of their existence, no name, no photograph, and no loved one to remember them. Then on one corner, there was a large glass memorial sculpture 
that contains 1.5 million drops of water. The stone set beneath was brought from Jerusalem and it symbolizes the rebirth of the Jewish people. The water drops at approximately one rate, at the rate of one drop per second, just like this. With each of the 1.5 million murdered children represented by one drop of water falling and the drops take 18 days and 18 nights to fall 1.5 million times. Above the water sculpture is a meditation by a survivor that writes, listen to the heart, to the tears of children. Look and listen as they quietly walk towards flames so gigantic that the planet itself seem in danger. More than one million Jewish children and a few hundred thousands of non-Jewish children were either killed the moment they arrived at the killing centre, killed immediately after they are born, or killed during some kind of revenge operation. Some died because of hunger. Some were forced to work as laborers and others survived only because, because they wanted to use them as medical tests. I couldn't help but at that moment to think about my daughter who was at that time barely two years old. And that children like her were faced with brutal, inhumane death just because some human government decided that they don't deserve to leave. How have they lost their mind when they put those children that are below 12 years old through the gas chambers and kill them with the gas or shot in front of a massive grave ditch which is just really a hole that they dig up and just throw children inside to die. How have they lost their mind when they drill those nails through the hands of God's only Son and lifted Him up on that crucifixion device called the cross whose body was already bathed in blood because His ligament, His tendons, and possibly internal organs were left half exposed and dangling because of severe flogging. And what have he done? What has he done as a result of a brutal, inhumane, weeping, flogging? Some said an eclipse happened. Others said that there was an earthquake. But that day was a day that every human being had to be forced to face the shocking truth. Jesus was dead. And because he was the, ex he was the eternal word with God, in a very real sense, God was dead. Imagine a world 
where God was then. Not that God ceased to exist, but that something of God had died with Him. And we struggle to find words to describe it completely and properly, just like how it affected the two secret disciples of Jesus so much that while He was still alive, they were too coward to publicly follow Him, even though they knew that He was true in what He said and what He did. They were afraid that they would lose their social status. But now, the teacher is dead. When the person that you love passed away, you can't help but to face a silent world with their physical absence. So silent was the silence that perhaps it was this silence that made them realise things they never realised they never realised. Perhaps it was this silence that made things so deafeningly clear. And they realised they must take a stand. That great Passover was about to officially start on a Friday afternoon, or sundown, in fact. It was also a Sabbath where a meal recalling God's deliverance on His suffering people who were sold to slavery was supposed to occupy that evening activity. But how could they take in that roasted lamb, that roasted Passover lamb, without even relating it to the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world? How could one be feasting as if nothing had happened after the death of your loved one? Or how does it feel like when you have your connect group meeting and the seat of that member that you, the member used to sit at is now empty because he's no longer there? One of the many funerals that I've conducted in recent years was one of one for our member. Her name is Daphne Chu. She returned to be with the Lord on the 17th of March 2018. She's the wife of our member, Tommy, and a mother of three, Benjamin, Pearly, and Sophia. Pearly is here tonight. Oh, they are also our members. One of the fondest memories that I had was the chance to share with her at a Christmas party organised by her connect group. And she was such a bubbly, happy, amiable lady to talk to. And after she got diagnosed with cancer, some of our church staff also had the chance to visit her house. She will always stay as that bubbly, positive, generous host in my memory. And I could imagine the following CG when her CG leader can gather their members. How would the members, some of you are here, how would the members in the Connect group miss Daphne, her laughter and her generosity? I think that Passover would have been similar too. 
So much so that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus decided it is time to take a stand. If my Lord has taken a stand to suffer the cross to save me, then I must take a stand for Him. I must come to be honest with myself. Am I His disciple? Or am I just a fan? So they braved themselves up and went to see Pontius Pilate after his office hour and appealed to him for the release of Jesus' body so that they can give a proper burial to it. It takes a great deal of risk for them to do that because they might be excommunicated from their so-called parliament. They might draw unnecessary attention from the Romans. They might even be killed. Because come to think about it, if the Jews would want to kill Lazarus just because he was raised from the dead by Jesus, what makes you think that the Jews wouldn't kill these two council members who just came out to align themselves with the one whom they crucified as the blasphemer of God? Were they ready to accept the price of being a disciple of Jesus publicly? We all want to do something for the deceased. In fact, anything at all. But nothing beats taking a stand to be a disciple of Jesus and not just a fan. Today, as you come and weep over the death of Jesus, let Him invite you to take a stand, to become His disciple and not just a fan. Jesus says, whoever serves me must follow me and where I am, my servant also will be. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. They realized they must take a chance. They must believe. Joseph of Arimathea was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Well, depending on what scale you measure with, with a Roman pound is 100 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen, or a linen shroud, in fact. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs or ethics. From the earlier conversation with Jesus, Nicodemus got to hear firsthand the famous verse quoted by many Christians all over the world. For this is the way God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And unless a person is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But now, he gets to experience it himself. He has always wondered why his leaders were so extreme and intense when it comes to handling Jesus. He couldn't understand it until he recalls all that Jesus has said. He now gets it. People hated Jesus so much precisely because he was the one 
Only he could stay so silent as he was led to the slaughterhouse to be butchered as a sheep. Anyone with eyes to see and mind to analyze would know that he was the suffering servant of the Lord that Isaiah 53 has prophesied about. And if I have exhausted every possible way and still cannot find a reason to deny Jesus was the Messiah sent by God, who in fact was the eternal word, who in fact was God in human flesh, then what is my most natural response to God that I am so passionately teaching people about? I would be a fool not to believe in Him. I would be a fool if I still keep following Him secretly or to put it more bluntly, I would be a coward. I would die a coward. It would be better for me if I have never lived at all than to live all my life in a lie that I lied to myself. So, Nicodemus brought 100 Roman pounds of myrrh and aloes to embalm Jesus. A great rabbi would get 80 pounds for embalmment. But I guess Nicodemus didn't just think Jesus was a great rabbi. He was indeed the Messiah, the rightful king of his people, the one anointed by God. And therefore, his embalmment was worth a royal embalmment to be given a clean linen shroud, at least because there was no time to tie the proper linen strips. Since it was getting dark and time was running out because Sabbath will start at sundown. My maternal grandmother, Madam Ui, died eight years ago on 28th of January, 2011. She was the toughest lady I've ever seen. Not because I grew up watching her, but because I believe whatever I was told about her. She was so good with cooking, especially all the Teochew food and Nyonya cuisine because she's a quarter Nyonya and she was illiterate, but she picked up fluent BM and some basic English. She was fearless in the way that you feel safe from anybody trying to bully you whenever she's around. And yet, she's also very motherly in that you will never go hungry when she's in the house. As a mother of six whose husband died young, she managed to hold the family together. She came to believe in Jesus at the age of 65 and I won't forget because the first Bible given to me, which was a Chinese Bible, was from her. She couldn't read, but she could preach the gospel to others. She can't read the Bible herself, but she would bring me to her church, and she remembers all the sermon that she hears. I, I only have a bits and pieces of her memory in my head, but I have all the reasons to believe that everything, every good thing that I heard from others about her was true. I believe what I heard was real because she was my grandma. We often don't get the chance to interview the disease of every single detail 
that they have decided or they went through or struggled with. I remember when I was Form 2, the friend that was sitting in front of me, the second row, in fact, the first row, yeah, he just died because his brain just stopped functioning for some reasons that nobody knew. And we had to go and visit him at his funeral. There was another one time when I was in Form 4. My Form 5 senior, they were having their SPM and the Vice President of my CF, my Christian Fellowship, she was riding her motorbike, a scooter, and trying to rush to the school for her exam, SPM. And the night before, it was raining, and so when she came to a traffic light, there was a puddle of water. She skidded to the water, and she fell. And then came a lorry, just came over her, and dragged her all along the road. And it was messy. It was very, very messy. And the whole school was just speechless. When we don't have the chance to always interview those people who die of every single detail that they decided they went through or they struggled with, death takes our loved ones away all too soon. Sometimes we beat ourselves up for not lending our ears enough to hear the voice of our loved ones when they were still alive or the dreams and the desires that they carry or their life's greatest mission. But after they are taken away, we can choose to doubt and convince ourselves that all this flogging and crucifixion and God coming in human flesh to save us was just a figment of imagination as some would believe. And I wonder, would they be so heartlessly doing that to the real loved ones that they love. Or we could learn from the two secret disciples who no longer want to stay as secret admirers, but take a chance to believe in Jesus and boldly confess that they want to follow Him, that whatever His followers and even those who don't follow Him but admitted that He truly died, whatever that they have said about Him is true they realized they must take him all in. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one, no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Joseph of Arimathea, was said to have buried Jesus in his own new garden tomb near Golgotha. It was supposed to be a family tomb. To be buried in a tomb that has not yet been used was no doubt a special honour and would make the tomb very difficult for you to miss in that entire vicinity. But why would Joseph do that? I thought he was just subscribing the fan page but not requesting to be a follower? When Jesus died, all of a sudden it made sense to him. 
that the kingdom of God that he was waiting to arrive was exactly what Jesus was preaching about. He realized that Jesus was giving the eternal life through his sacrificial death. That eternal life, which is a life that has the eternal God forever with him. Not only was Jesus the Old Testament that the Old Testament was pointing to, but it is through Jesus that all that God says He will do will be fulfilled. I mean, for example, look at all the signs He did. He healed the incurable diseases. He liberated those oppressed by evil spirits. Those who were the downtrodden were elevated. Those who were proud and arrogant were humbled. There was a sense of justice and He demonstrated that with his own life. His life was so close to God that even nature would submit to him. And yet, he was so close to the common people, so close that he could abide with them, he could eat with them, cry with them, feel for them, and even live with them. Just like how God used to tabernacle among his people, Israel. And if that was not enough, check out his words. On the cross, everybody remembers. He recited the first line of Psalm 22. He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not because he thinks that God has abandoned him, but precisely because he must be thinking that God's response to that first line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which is found almost 20 verses later. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to save me. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Joseph realized that doubting Jesus was even more difficult than receiving Jesus. If Jesus has come to bring the new creation of God, which is that thing about the kingdom of God everybody was hoping for, then what he should do is not only to believe, but to take him all in, to be one with him, to become his sheep, to remain in him like how a branch is to the vine tree, so connected, to be in union with him, to offer my own tomb for him, to enter into his death and to let him enter into my life. So often, that was the anguish we hear from those who are alive. They wanted so much to allow the dead to still live on in their hearts, in them, in their memory, in the most prominent place of their life. They keep their clothings, they keep their favourite CD, their books, even their lyrics, if possible. They want to be so in union with them, all because they so miss them. They so love them. 
they so treasure the moments they could spend with them even if it was only five minutes five minutes to greet his parents for the first time it was also the last time for him to say bye-bye to daddy and mommy they wanted to take it all in however much that is available would you also take Jesus all in would you also want to abide in him stay so entwined with him forever did God die did God die in Jesus that is a question many people would raise but any person who has studied the Old Testament Bible would know the answer to that question if you ask the followers of Jesus including Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus they would point to Psalm 16 where David wrote about the one who is faithfully devoted to God he says therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let your faithful one see decay you make known to me the path of life you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand Jesus definitely knew for sure that David had such faith towards God that the Messiah will be resurrected he will be raised to life he will not be abandoned to the realm of the dead nor will his physical body experience decay and today we too have the assurance about our tomorrow even though today we'll be silent as we remain in silence in tears in pain seeing how death takes away the one whom we love the things that we treasure being taken away the dreams which we once carried away the life which we share before taken away but just like every pain in life will come to an end and because we have the advantage of knowing about tomorrow God has promised to us what sort of tomorrow we will have what sort of future we will experience and what kind of wiping away of tears and eternal joy that we will enter into we know it will be the silence of death tomorrow simply because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on Jesus Jesus himself said very truly I tell you unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed but if it dies it produces many seeds but while it is still tonight and tomorrow is coming on its way we will mourn we will weep we will take a stand for Jesus to follow him we will take a chance to believe him all that he has said and done and we will take him all in to completely 
completely to receive Him as our Lord and our Saviour, as the one who gives us eternal life, as the one who can unite those who believe in Him, both those who are living and those who are dead, together in Him, our Messiah and our God. To John's Gospel, the crucifixion of Jesus was the glorification of Jesus. The tomb of crucifixion was the womb of glorification. Do you know the Passover? On, Sunday, on Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, it was Sabbath. It was rest. Nobody could do anything. No human could do anything. He was a rest to see the presence of God saturate His creation and to be one with that Creator, that giver of life. We know, we have seen the trailer for tomorrow. We have heard about it. We know what is it about tomorrow. We know because it is the tomb that will become the throne the tomb of disgrace to the throne of grace. Look at the garden tomb that they made prepared for Jesus. It's the reversal for the broken Eden, the broken garden of Eden. A garden throne restored when God and man is reunited and recon reconciled through that God-man, Jesus Christ. It is a new humanity that exudes God's life, the eternal life of God. It is the throne, the garden throne, that will become where we encounter God, where we can live with God forever in His presence. Tonight, while all eyes closed and all heads bowed, I'm not too sure where you come from. You may have come from a position whereby you yourself know what death is. You may be troubled by death. You may be troubled by somebody's tomb because it is someone whom you love. Or you may be living but feeling death all the time. Maybe you are in a situation where you are depressed and depression can really, really be like death. Where you float in and you float out and you... Sometimes you are happy, sometimes you are down, sometimes you just feel like ending your life and... helpless. Maybe you may have even come to deal with death. That short moment of your loved one, just like Jahao and Elisha. You know what? Tonight, Jesus understands that situation that you are going through. He has been through one. But His Word is still for you.
God will not abandon His faithful one in the realm of the dead. Your broken hope, your dead dreams will come to life in God. But how many of us tonight, we will want to take this opportunity to take a stand? Yes, Lord, I want to follow you. I don't want to be playing secret anymore. You want to take a stand? You want to take a chance to believe in Jesus? You want to take Him all in and say, God, sorry, I kind of know that I'm a Christian, but I kind of not living like a Christian. But Lord, today, tonight, I want to take you all in. I don't know what you're coming from. Maybe you have already been coming to church. Or maybe you have not come to church or know Jesus yet. You've come tonight. This is your first time. But today, I've got a good news to offer to you. Even on this day that is supposed to be the silence, that Jesus is with you. And that tomorrow will be the day proper whereby we will celebrate. But for tonight, we will hold on to this hope, this word that we have all have the privilege to know, this trailer that God will not abandon His faithful one in the realm of the dead. Tonight, how many of you, you want to make a decision to believe in Jesus? To say, God, I want to know you. I want you to come and take away the things that is in my heart that I'm struggling with. It could be death. It could be death of someone. It could be a certain situation of death that I do not know how to handle. But tonight, you say, God, I'm going to come to you. Or you could be a Christian, but you know you have not been following Jesus. But tonight, you say, enough. I don't want to be that secret admirer anymore. I want to come to Jesus. Or maybe tonight you just want to get someone, you just want to come to Jesus and be prayed for. You just want to say, God, I want to come to be one with you, to be in union with you, to know that you are so close with me, God. No matter what is in your heart, on the count of three, all eyes closed and all eyes bowed, I want you to raise up your hands.